I'm Phil Mutz, VP of News and Entertainment at PureWow. And I'm Dara Katz, Executive Editor at PureWow. We are the hosts of And Just Like That, a Sex and the City reboot podcast. Where we react, converse, spill the tea, and get carried, sorry, away on the new Sex and the City season. Now is a good time to tell you that there will obviously be spoilers. So join us as we revisit and relive Sex and the City. I can never actually sing the song, even though it's like that was very good. Actually, that that was surprisingly good. I knew exactly what you you were doing, not just because we're doing a podcast about this. (laughs) Hi, Phil. Thank you. Hi, Dara. Um, Okay, can we please, before we do anything else, talk about the rainbow blanket has been found? Thank you, everyone who reached out on Instagram, like. Yeah, I could have Google so image searched did. myself, but I didn't do it. So thank you so much. So many people reached out, which was it was so wonderful. And uh, and I'm so glad you did because the rainbow blanket has been found. It is not technically even a blanket. It is a Gabriella Hurst rainbow shawl. It's a cashmere wrap. And Dara, I know you know this, but how much it sells for? $2,700. Of course. But it's also sold out, so. Too bad. I, that's the reason we're not going to get one. Yeah. Because uh, it's sold out. The other thing, Phil, is I had a friend call me. And she had listened to our podcast. Her name's Sarah Shelton. And she knows where the beep was coming from. This was a big <gasps> mystery from last episode. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to play you a little note, okay? Okay. Let me know if you can hear this. Hi. I know where the beep was coming from because the same thing happened to me when I moved into this apartment. So for three days, I had this beep, same beep going nonstop, could not figure out where it was coming from. It was driving me insane. And then one day I moved the moving boxes that I had sitting on the counter off of the electric cooktop that was on my countertop and the beeping stopped. So that's where it's coming from. If you watch the scenes where she's like going insane about the beeps, you can see she has the exact same cooktop as me on the counter behind her. And there's something on the cooktop that's making it beep. So that's where it was coming from. And my theory is they intended to tell us, but they must have cut a scene later that was like just too boring. And they were like, screw it. Who cares? No one's going to like freak out over where the beep is coming from. But I guess they were wrong. Um, Anyways. okay, bye. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dara's friend, Sarah. Oh, my gosh. That was <laughs> incredible. Uh, oh, I actually feel so much better now. It was it was such a weird thing that I just wanted to know. And now and now we know. I, I would love to know from listeners if the beeping bothered you as much as it bothered <laughs> Phil and I. Uh, yeah, just kind of an interesting thing. Such a cliffhanger without now we know the answer, but. We do. Uh, oh my gosh! I, I, see, exclusive right here. I, I don't know if people know out there what that stovetop uh, was capable of, but now we all know. Now and, we all know. Uh, we can feel better about this, and we can okay. move on to this latest episode, which is episode seven. Okay, so we—I don't know why I said it like I'm Oprah. Uh, episode seven. <laughs> I think uh, I know why so, you said it like you're Oprah. Because we we get an Oprah reference in this episode. So, episode seven, here's the quick recap. Carrie's publisher asks her to go on a date, which leads to laughter, vomit, and a date number two. Miranda has another kitchen scene, this time with Steve. And spoiler alert, it does not go as well as the last kitchen scene. Re-enter Jay. And a jaw-dropping, I love you. Charlotte refuses to apologize to Harry, who has hurt feelings. Naya almost runs over a poor man's Billy Eichner and his toddler. And just like that, Carrie's got her epilogue. Okay, 
What's your takeaway? What Do you like this episode or not? I have very strong feelings. Go, Dara. I thought this episode was meh. I disagree. Okay. Oh, I my God. Really, okay. really liked this episode. I don't know if it was just like that that perfect time when that glass and a half of wine hits you and you're just like, you know what? These women are fabulous. I, I liked everything about it. Okay. Uh, we're going to obviously dive into specifics, but I liked everything from like, finally, we're getting... Carrie writing again. We're getting uh, Carrie dating again. We're getting some sex again. We have, uh, I, I even loved the like Eye of the Tiger playing while Charlotte is and LTW are playing tennis. I really just had a fun time with this episode um, and left thinking like, okay, I th- feel like I know this is a limited series, but if this were like a Sex in the City length series season back in the day, I could watch more of that. This feels like watchable. I feel like there's like important things happening to the characters and there's like forward momentum, but also it feels fun. Um, Obviously, we'll talk about that first date that Carrie goes on, but I just, I really liked it. I loved the opening, Phil. I loved that. Mm -hmm. Like it was very New York, Nora Ephron type vibes with the type of music, the changing of the scenery. It was basically a montage of Carrie's perfect hair. And I love that she was writing again. But there's something just joyless about Carrie. And yes, she lost her husband. To, Which she know. reminds us seven of seven times in this yeah, episode. And over just, and over. Okay. First of all, I did a little Wikipedia research. and uh, So you know it's true. Okay, go and on. And I think in like season five, Big comes back from Napa to New York to get an angioplasty. Okay. Which means so that it was oh, foreshadowing that, so that he had heart health I stuff. see, I see. Okay, so another reason why we should have seen this coming. Oh, okay, all right. He had it coming. I mean, Chris Note did. So, bye, good riddance. Anyway, bye. let's talk about Carrie and the date and the epilogue. So, I kind of what I really liked about uh, <laughs> this new character, Amanda, her book publisher, uh, is she kind of says what we, or at least what I was hoping would be said about the series, which is. We just need a little hope, you know, like, can we just get a little like there's like light at the end of the tunnel for for Carrie? Can we just get a little uh, essentially epilogue, even though we're not in the last episode, we're only in episode seven of the of the show. And I think her going on dates is exactly what we needed. And maybe we'll even get an Oprah book club moment. Like with a cameo from the Oprah herself, you think? I think we're more likely to get Gail, but whatever. You know. <laughs> Gail. Look, uh, either is great. I'll, I'll take Gail. It read very Carol Radsowell to me, who's a real housewife, was a real housewife of New York. She was this young widow, and she wrote a book about it called What Remains that was mm. like a bestseller and was a devastating read, according to people who read it. So, And she was very wealthy, so with great style. So I kind of think, I don't know if they're taking any inspiration from that, but it kind of felt like that. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I, I think what I liked was that second scene with the publisher where Carrie has that moment where she's like, maybe this is too serious. Maybe I'm not supposed to share this with the world. Maybe I'm supposed to be the writer of Sex in the City and this isn't what I'm supposed to be putting out into the world. And I love that she has that awareness that like, okay, maybe this was just for me. And then we're like, no, no, let's share your story. Let's get this book out there. Mostly because the publisher probably just wants money. Mm-hmm. But uh but I'm I'm glad she had the awareness about it and that she's all in to go on this date. See, I felt annoyed by Carrie in that scene because she's playing so meek 
And the whole thing of like, maybe it's not the right thing for me anymore. Like, let, <laughs> like it's been so much of that. Like, I would like her to just have some like determination and actually some more agency over just like floating again. I know she's a widow and this is like, I mean, and in her defense, in in defense of Carrie, she did write the book. So she got back to her like she's in her brownstone and she's writing. So there's a certain amount of ownership over her story, you know, so that I appreciate. I, I also know what you're saying. Also, can we can we just have a separate series where it's just you doing the characters? Because you're very good at it. I think oh, no you. sound effects. I think you can do the opening uh, opening credits. I think you could do the whole thing. Thank you. I mean, that said, I do love Carrie's iconic typing posture where it's like she's kind of like bent over like her neck's a little crooked like I just I love the facial work you know love it love it and then she goes on this date so I'd like and they to go talk to about Acheval, which is I a burger restaurant I saw that that I've been to in Chicago and it came to New York so I thought it was kind of interesting they chose like a restaurant that's not originally from New York but whatever as somebody who's not from Chicago I did not catch that separate detail but I did see uh the name of the restaurant uh, so they're both, uh, they both lost, uh, a spouse and I, I really enjoy this moment of like obvious awkwardness and then them both doing the thing that you probably shouldn't do as the very first question, which I kind of, I liked saying like, <laughs> how did your spouse die? Like, uh, and thank God then Carrie says what we're all thinking, which is God, we just need some drinks, um, which they take too far. Yeah. I thought that was great. Honestly, I know you're surprised. I liked it, but. Thought it was perfect. You're allowed to like some things and not like <laughs> other things. I think that's fine. Um, so what did you, I rewound and rewatched that vomit moment three times. Uh, so I, because I was laughing so hard mm. and I was oh, like, yeah, did I miss a beat here? Nowhere. It just came out of nowhere. And I was like, I must've missed a beat. So I rewound it. And then I was like laughing because I was like, this is so crazy. My favorite of the vomits, um, we'll call them the voms, is SJP's. Hers because I I'm I was so un I was surprised that she was joining in. Mm -hmm. I saw that like he had this moment and I was like oh what a terrible end to this date. And then you see it like you see her face. I'm like oh no no no. And she she doesn't like they cut to her and she doesn't do it right away. She's like holding that like prop bomb in her mouth and she's mm -hmm. like I'm gonna wait and get I'm gonna get the full my full due and then when she finally lets it go I just she found laughed. her I light loved it during that bomb. I really liked it and I liked that it came out of them laughing so hard together and really enjoying the moment mm -hmm. what I didn't like and just because from a character standpoint is that Carrie's takeaway was ah so the date was a failure I knew yeah. it was gonna be a failure and so I was like oh you guys laughed so me. hard yeah that confused me because it seemed like they had a great time they were cackling knee slapping and then the vomit thing happened, which is kind of like a way to actually like even bond further. And then at the stupid auction, she's <laughs> she's one upping Anthony. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. Anthony um, about how horrible this date was because of how it ended instead of talking about the good part of it. I was a little confused. Right. Like they clearly got to a point where they were having so much fun that they got wasted together and couldn't stop laughing as they stumbled out of a out of the restaurant. And then, I mean, this obviously feels very intentional. He bids on her in a very rom-com moment. I and roll, like, I roll, when I roll. I know. But, I, you know, I, it felt like that was on purpose. You know, we've seen this scene a thousand times where in movies and, you know, TV shows where somebody's not getting bid on and then somebody comes to the rescue and it's like that turns into a love story. 
and it feels very intentional that this was an obvious trope that we've okay. seen a billion Phil, times. One, he's a teacher, mm-hmm. and he's betting, or <laughs> he's what's fifteen hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah, a thousand fifty. The joke should oh, have been a thousand and one. That would have been cuter. <laughs> Because Carrie bet on herself. We love when right. a woman bets on herself. Um, on a teacher's salary, that concerns me. Mm-hmm. Um, being called a sex writer was very LOL. Um, <laughs> but what did, what are they doing putting a date up for auction at this, like, parent event? Like, yeah, it's just, I, it was just it wildly inappropriate. I was, I w- <laughs> you're exactly right. And I didn't think of it at the time. I was like... Oh, this is so unfortunate. No one's bidding on her. And then some but one of the extras like yells out like we would, but we're all married. And I was like, oh duh, of course they're all married. What a terrible idea to put Carrie up for auction. Who the fuck can bid on this? Yeah. yeah. Well, it looks like the two single people at the event got together. Do you do you think what's his name? I forgot his name. Peter. Do you think Peter is objectively attractive, as Charlotte pointed out? I do think he is objectively attractive. I I think he's a very handsome, striking man. And I, okay, so to circle back super striking, quickly. Striking, Phil. Striking? Stri- I, I think so. I, th- I, love, I love a silver fox. I, I'm I'm just, I'm starting to go gray and I'm like, give me some more. I, I, I love it. <laughs> just, anyway, uh, this isn't about me, okay? This is about Carrie. Uh, so when she's swiping in that weird thing where Seema had already set up a profile for her, whatever, uh, she keeps swiping back and forth between two guys and one is an investment banker and the other is this teacher slash widower. And I was like, oh, what an interesting choice that they're very obviously making her decide between do I want another big or a big like person or somebody who's entirely different, uh, like a finance guy that. versus. Yeah. Yeah. And your and eyes he, on the fine mm-hmm, print, Phil. I, why am I always looking at what they're looking at on a phone? That's like all I care about in the episode. Um, but I'm I'm glad she went with the the teacher slash widower of the two, and he has widower listed in his profile, um, which I guess makes sense. Uh, so I really liked that choice as well. So I'm looking forward to more of Peter. Me too. The whole thing felt fresh and good, and yes. and appropriately awkward. Yes, and I I think to your point, fresh. And we've been complaining, rightfully so, that we've been, like, going in circles for the last couple episodes, like, rehashing old storylines and just repeating ourselves. We're making real move, moves forward, not just with Carrie in this episode, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, um, but sp- particularly with Carrie, and I'm very happy about it. So I want to talk about this segment, because we get we get more Steve, we get more husband. So I'm calling this segment the real house husbands of and just like that. Okay. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> what was your take on the more presence of LTW's husband, Naya's husband? Um, we got more Harry and we got Steve. We got Steve in a Canadian tuxedo wandering around the Prospect Park farmer's market like. Oh, man. Like, like a, it's nighttime and he can't see anything. The poor character of Steve, they have just done him wrong. They have written him so, I mean, and maybe it's very real. Like, I, I mean, I I found that moment very relatable where you just can't find someone and you're like, why I'm so annoyed that you just can't find me right now. Mm-hmm. However, that, it just, poor Steve, They it just makes, it's so clear that Miranda needs to get the F out of here and just like, I, I just swore minutes ago. I don't know why I just said the F out of here this time. But uh, it's very, it, it it does, it really feels more like a plot device to just make him as annoying, bumbling and annoying Elderly. as possible. I, mm-hmm. I do, I feel like this is a good moment to kind of rehash 
Steve Brady's character arc from yes, all of all of the Sex in the City cinematic universe. Um, so we first meet Steve Brady in season two, which surprised me, actually. It goes way, way, way back when Miranda has a one night stand with a friendly, nice bartender. That's Steve. Mm. And basically, and most of this comes from, again, my favorite source of everything, Wikipedia. Miranda and Steve have a bumpy start. They're in different tax brackets. Uh, but in season three, they wind up moving in together until Steve buys a puppy. And Miranda's like, oh, my God, you're so immature. This is never going to work. In season four, Miranda helps Steve when he gets testicular cancer. They bang, even though he only has one ball. So Miranda doesn't think she gets pregnant. Spoiler alert, she does. And then she decides to keep the baby. Miranda and Steve are co-parenting Brady, even though they're living separate lives. Remember, Steve is with Debbie. Do you remember Debbie? Oh, my God. Blast from the past. Yes. I want you all to Google uh, Steve's girlfriend, Debbie, because she's actually so beautiful. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like we were on Miranda's side during all of that. And we we did her dirty. Anyways, during Brady's first birthday party, Miranda realizes she's in love with Steve and she proposes to him. They get married in, a, in the community garden and they eventually move to Brooklyn. In the first movie, we learn that Steve had an affair after Miranda kind of stopped sleeping with Steve. Um, they go to couples counseling. They reconcile. And in the second movie, there's really not much Steve at all. I, my recollection is that they end on that, like the bridge. They're like, if we still choose each other after the affair thing, we'll meet on the Brooklyn Bridge. And then they both show up at the end uh, in a very another very rom-com moment. Yeah, it's interesting to think about all of that because Steve is such a fan favorite from the original mm -hmm. series. So it, you almost have to think of him as a different person now because I, I want to remember Steve fondly and I want to remember their relationship arc fondly. But... This new one does make me think, no, you shouldn't be together. And maybe that's just natural. Maybe that's life for some couples. Mm -hmm. So what did you make of the kitchen scene? The second kitchen scene, if you I'm will. glad they did it. In the, I'm glad they made this scene be in the kitchen. I'm glad we had a direct contrast between the Che kitchen scene and now this Steve kitchen scene. Oh, man, it was so hard to watch. But it felt... It was I so cringy to watch. I, uh, <sighs> I thought it they was played important. it really well. Yes, mm -hmm. it was important. And I thought the acting acting was really good. Mm -hmm. I, I just, the two of them, they both just played it so perfectly where he just couldn't find his footing, but really didn't even footing? really want to be doing, well, you know, fingering, whatever. <laughs> uh, he couldn't find anything. I think fingering is the fourth gal mm. in the Sex and the City gals. <laughs> it's Carrie, Charlotte, Miranda, and fingering. Oh, they're going to put that on Instagram. Oh, man, it's going to be so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, well, uh, I hot take right here. Fingering is the fourth gal. I do think that they just play that that awkwardness so perfectly. And you can watch in Cynthia Nix's face as the moment is like slipping away and she's just grasping like, let me try again. Let me try again. Just kiss my neck. Like, let me try again. Yeah. And then she's like, I guess I'll just re keep loading the dishwasher. Oh, it's so hard to watch. Yeah, it, it the fire's gone, even though, as my dad would say, you know, Steve's a good guy. <laughs> Steve's a good, a good guy. guy. He's a uh, good guy. Yeah, that is Love another Steve. hot take. <laughs> Here's another hot take, Phil. Please. We're usually seeing Miranda in like these flowy garbs. But I loved at the farmer's market that we had Miranda in more of a structured outfit. She had her jeans on. She had a denim jacket on. And then Steve hmm. shows up in his Canadian tuxedo. Denim, 
jean jacket. He looks hot as hell. And then he's like, he's like as lithe as ever. Like he's nimble and moving around, but also like can't find his wallet. Like it's just kind of like, he looks like he could be Kanicki in Greece. <laughs> and yet they're playing him like he's like, going to his senior living community center, you know? Yeah, I mean, my favorite moment of that scene is actually probably an unintentional one, but he turns around to, like, go back to get his wallet by the pickle guy, and he, like, bumps into an extra. (laughs) It's so good. But he bumps into this extra, and you can kind of, I think it was an accident, because you can see um, on Naya's, Naya's face, she, like, laughs and i'm like that's a real laugh he they they were like this is the take it's the one where he ran to the extra by accident and then totally takes off in a different direction it he he was very funny in that scene but you're absolutely right there was no there was nothing smooth or knicky about him except why, for his dress why did naya not want andre and miranda to meet each other like that seemed like why? an odd thing to say yeah that was strange but I do okay. So bringing up Naya and her husband uh, does bring me to another what I thought was super relatable moment, like the uh, not being able to find each other at the farmers market or not being able to find the source of a beeping in your apartment. Was my biggest fear, which is that my text messages will be read aloud in a car where I have no control over, over this, and I don't like this technology. I don't want it to exist in my world. I don't want to get into a car and like sync up my my tunes. Uh, sure, I'll control the music. And then my text messages start start playing for everybody. I don't want that at all. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a nightmare of nightmares. It's such a nightmare, in fact, that she almost runs into a, a couple and their toddler. That was which, a really funny moment. Yeah. But at the same time, I also... I hate driving scenes because I and especially when characters aren't looking at the road because you never know if it's like, is this going to be a crash scene? Mm-hmm. And it's just so mm-hmm. I, I get it so makes you nervous. Anxious. Yeah. And then like, yeah, you should be watching the road if there is a toddler like he's right. I have a toddler and like I'm, I'm on the toddler guy side and they just laughed it off. And it's like, oh, no, you got to drive you, a little more. Carefully. You did almost kill this toddler. Yeah, they, <laughs> I really I don't I got to look up who that actor was, not because I want to see him in anything else, just because he he really made the most out of his moment. He really I was getting Billy Eichner vibes, as I said earlier mm-hmm. in the recap. But I I just I feel like they he had one line. And they were like, you know what? This take, just run with it. Because he just kept saying it over and over. And I was like, that was brilliant. You were very, very funny, sir. Yeah. Well done. Sir, hats off to you. That was let's get rid. Let's get rid of Anthony and invite him back for some more instead. Please. Yeah, Anthony is not working. And I don't care that you shit your pants in on your date. Please. When you were in a child. It's just yeah, like, I, no more. Grotesque. No more, Anthony. I've had enough. Although I did, I did laugh at that one callback where he's like i would never hook up with a cater waiter and then he was like sorry i was in the bathroom getting a hand job from a cater waiter like 10 minutes later oh i missed that that's yeah it, I, I i was <laughs> like oh that's cute okay that's yeah. that's that's his function should just be a one line that we can then bring back for another line later and that's it i don't need him getting more involved yeah I, i'm completely with you i just want to back up to the men of sex in the city like, yes, please. You you totally. set up a nice segment to talk about the men and Steve, and I I took no. us on a different journey. You oh, took us where back. we like needed this. to go when we needed to I go. Know. So we mm-hmm. can we can talk about Harry quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this storyline. I like seeing Charlotte empowered, but like I don't know, fell a little flat for me. Like you never say sorry, that type of thing. I didn't really. Yeah, and it was interesting that it. they chose to make this about larger issues. Like she says. 
you mansplain to me on the court. And then later she says, women have to apologize to the world all day long for not doing anything. I was like, yes, girl. Absolutely. Um, So I I think that was, those things were the reason for that storyline more than it was Harry. We need to know more about Harry, you know? Yeah. We don't really care about Harry, but it is important that I think that Charlotte's able to get these issues out there and, and kind of, be this em- empowered woman in this relationship and not let Harry mansplain to her on the court and, you know, demand an apology for something that he's being a real baby about. Yeah. Well, what you're bringing up is what I kind of also want to talk about separately. Mm. So we can close the door on the men of the housewives. It's always open. Okay. It's a jar. Okay. But the memification of and just like that and sex in the city felt really like in your face in this episode. Like, Woke Charlotte is a famous meme. Like, you know what Woke Charlotte is, right? Explain this to me. So Woke Charlotte is a meme that was created by every outfit on Sex and the City, the Instagram account, which everybody should follow. Um, And it's basically looking back on the kind of outdated moments in Sex and the City um, that Charlotte now, like with hindsight, Charlotte is responding to as like a woke version of herself. So Mm. an example would be um, Samantha is saying, I am paying a fortune to live in a neighborhood that's trendy by day and blank by night. She says a slur. And Charlotte responds via this meme. The correct term is trans and trans sex workers deserve respect. After all, they're not the ones who are gentrifying the neighborhood. Please check your cisgender privilege, Samantha. So that type of content. Oh, I love this. I can't believe I didn't know about Woke Charlotte, but it does feel like she is Woke Charlotte now. Yeah, this episode really felt like she's kind of becoming Woke Charlotte, which I'm sure mm-hmm. the writers were careful to do. Like, they don't want to, like, do it too much because then they're, like, playing into this internet joke. But, like, it is kind of fun to see her call her child rock and know what mansplain is and explain why she doesn't want to apologize as a woman. I love that. I think that's super interesting. And I do think that that had to have been intentional from the writer's perspective. I don't think maybe Kristen Davis and maybe Kristen Davis, because she responded to that meme saying she loved it. Yeah. And that's so we had we did an AMA, uh, you and I this week uh, with for some fans of the podcast on our Instagram on PureWow's Instagram account. And one of the things that they were asking was, how involved do you think some of the characters are? Uh, the actor actresses are with their character's journey. Specific, specifically, the question was about Cynthia Nixon. But I think because they are all executive producers, Kristen Davis, Cynthia, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, there is a lot of involvement with where they think their characters are. I'm also sure these women and the show creators have been, you know, discussing this for decades about like where they see Charlotte right now. What would she be doing? Uh, so I I think that's probably right that Kristen Davis really had an opportunity to weigh in on where Charlotte is and what she might be woke about and where she might still be struggling. Now there's the other meme that's been hitting the internet like fire. Do you know what I'm talking about, Phil? Is this the Golden Girls one? No. Oh, okay. Well, share what the Golden Girls one was though. Okay, so there's this meme going around. It, It was shared on Instagram. It's been passed around and it says the main characters in the first season of Golden Girls are younger than in the current Sex in the City, 53 and 54 in Golden Girls, and 54 and 55 in And Just Like That. Amazing how different our view of women at that age is now. And it's a picture of the Golden Girls poster next to the And Just Like That uh, poster. And 
it's right. Oh my gosh, you look at this Golden Girls poster and they're in long flowy caftans for their retirement home. They, you know, Estelle Getty is who didn't have this hair, is rocking a, a white curly wig. <laughs> and it's contrasted with these fabulous, you know, and just like that women, sorry, equally fabulous, we'll say, but uh, but looking, you know, you know, trendy and having their hair all done. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very stark contrast and an interesting point that, you know, the and just like that women are the same age as the Golden Girls women. But I don't know why. And it just is obviously a sign of the times that we equate Golden Girls with, you know, elderly women uh, as if that's some kind of foreign concept where like, you know, this age mm-hmm. bracket could destro- describe any number of, you know, life situations. Yeah. And I think it also goes to show, I mean, there you could write a dissertation on this, but that there are so many stories to tell even after you're 50 years old, like, and you're a woman. If you look back on Golden Girls, it really covered a lot of different interesting territory. Like, it wasn't just them, like, living in a retirement house. Like, they really talked about real issues, just like Sex and the City often does. Yeah, it was kind of a precursor to Sex and the City in that, you know, you obviously have the same four-woman concept, but very progressive. Um, You know, Golden Girls notoriously... uh, brought up a lot of uh, gay issues at a mm-hmm. time when that was not talked about. So I, I really, and and sex all the time, like a highly sexualized show, an entire character, a Samantha, you know, Blanche, uh, devoted to yes. just sex, you know. The Blanche so kind of and is Samantha that. of it all. Mm-hmm. Wow, Phil, yeah. yes. You just cracked the code. Uh, we got it. Let's let's write our own. Um. So, okay, now please tell me. The meme I was talking about? Yeah, I want to hear about your meme. While we're talking about sex and queerness, I'm talking about Che. Mm-hmm. The memes going it's on with "Hey, it's Che Diaz" have killed me. I've gotten emails that start "Hey, it's Che Diaz." Dot dot dot, <laughs> and it's made me laugh. It's so funny because this character makes people angry. Now it made me think: Are we going to look back on this and realize that we were in the wrong? That we weren't. That this is a new type of character we're seeing on a mainstream show, and we're being bigots about it are you, are you referencing the narcissism or are you referencing the the non-binary character no that Che's a non-binary main character of this show yeah but i i think that that the reaction and all of that around Che, the character at least in my opinion has to do with the way this specific non-binary binary character is written yes that's uh, how i feel right now like they are just so grating their comedy is bad they laugh at their own jokes Miranda's uh, more annoying around them. I just wanted to raise the question that is this collective hatred of Che Diaz really what we think it is? It's, I think it's a valid question because it's entirely possible. I mean, you know, f- forever, it's always, there's always been that like equivalency of, well, if would we speak about a man this way in the way mm-hmm. that we speak out about, about women? And I think that's like been throughout history, you know, whether it's a presidential candidate or all kinds of, you know, uh, whether it's the way somebody might go to an interview, you know, so many situations where we say, would we speak about another uh, person this way if they weren't, you know, uh, a woman? I think that might be the case where we're all collectively, if this were just a, a male character, you know, a cisgendered male character, like running around uh, doing comedy that's not that funny, would we just be like, well, you know, that's just that's just how comedians are. They're not always, they're not funny. I don't know. I don't know. 
but just, I do think it's important fun. to talk about. I wanted about. to put that out there. I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, I think I, it's important. I think it's worth talking about. about because I hate Jay. And I, I just, I could see myself in the future regretting saying that out loud. I think you make valid points all around. And I think that regardless of how this discussion ages over time, we can know that Che is a narcissist and that's fine. And that it, Che has been written that way. And that's, it's just how the show is. But Che did have a poignant thing to tell Miranda, which was when Miranda says, I love you, Che responds, you love you with me. And I was like, mm. yeah. That was Dead pretty on. great. And I'm glad that that didn't go a different direction. I'm glad that Che made it, said that, and then was like, well, we're both high. Also, I'm, I think, very charismatic or whatever the third thing was, but played it off and didn't try to either stop and have a fight or say it back, which would have been worse. The other thing, Phil, is I'm calling this the law of Miranda. Okay. It's a play on the law of attraction. I don't know what the law mm -hmm. of attraction actually means, but it seems like all these characters are just coming out of the woodwork, like slamming into Miranda and being like, oh my God, I need to be with you. We've got Naya, this really cool professor who's doing amazing things. <laughs> We've got Shay Diaz, who in the show is so cool. They're bi-coastal and they all want to be with Miranda. Like... I don't get it. <laughs> what has Miranda done that is proving that is attracting these people to her? Miranda did save her professor from Chucky in a subway, if okay. that counts. But okay. I don't think it should. Yeah, it does. There is some law of attraction going on. There's some magnetism to Cynthia Nixon's character in this series that perhaps wasn't exactly the same in the original series. And we'll, I guess we'll just have to keep an eye out uh, for more of that and we'll bring on more discussion. But we we have to we have to wrap things up there. I feel like we could talk about this episode forever because maybe there were a lot of good things to talk about in this episode, which I know you would agree with. I know. You know what? Yeah, what? I love talking about like I yeah, love watching I this show. So I know people are upset that like this that I'm not happy with this show. <laughs> I don't think anyone's upset with you specifically. I think some people don't like it and some people do. And it's hard to reconcile that we're all watching the same thing. I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm commenting about comments. Mm. I've read the comments about people saying that, um, like, get with it. This isn't Sex and the City. This is a new show. This isn't just like that. Don't expect the same thing. And I guess my response to that is that I just can't. I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. And it might be a new series, but it is a revival uh, of another series that we all love and have certain feelings about. So it's I think it's natural to have those be connected. It'd Literally, be, um, thank you for being on my team with that. Dara, <laughs> I am absolutely on your team. I feel team. so supported. I, oh, good. Good, good. So you know what? Bring on the comments, but please keep them positive. Uh, no, <laughs> you can be honest. It's fine. Um, so uh, let's wrap things up like we always do with a couple and just like that. You got anything to start us off? And just like that, I'm so intrigued by this whole wave of divorces. I want to know who's single and ready to mingle that like Charlotte that. brings up. Yeah, I remember. I like that. I like that. And just like that, Anthony once shit himself on a date. Sorry, Connie DeLuca. That was the name of his date. I know. <sighs> Stuck with me. And just like that, can someone please pay for me to go to the club that Charlotte belongs to? I did some researching. I think it's Lifetime. And there's a wait list. That staircase they walked down. Oh, my goodness. Her oh and Harry. I was like, goodness. where are they? 
gorgeous. Lifetime. And just and just like that, LTW is a terrible auction host. No freaking way. I don't believe for one second that this character doesn't know how to work a mic. No way. And just like that, Phil, same exact thoughts. You're a documentarian, <laughs> but you don't know how to use the tech. I'm mm -mm. not buying it. It was just a bad joke set up for a Che moment. Didn't like it at all. And just like that, we will be back next week to talk about episode eight of And Just Like That. Woo! That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us all those reviews. You can follow us on Instagram at shows or at PureWow. You can follow me at KDara. And you can follow me at The Real Phil Mutz. And help us grow by sharing our podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week. And just like that, a Sex and the City reboot podcast is a PureWow and Gallery Media Group production.